Hello and welcome to the Great Obsession podcast. We are so happy you're here. And today we are going to do a little deep dive, actually quite a big chaotic deep dive into the franchise that raised us, the Twilight franchise in all of its messy glory. First though, I am making this intro just to give you a little warning that this episode does contain, first of all, spoilers for the entire Twilight story. So if you have not read or seen the Twilight movies or books, I would recommend you do that first before you listen to this episode. Second of all, this episode does contain some strong language. So if you have young children present or you're not otherwise comfortable with swearing, this podcast may not be for you. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy this audio of Sam and I struggling to learn to record for the first time. And I promise we do eventually talk about Twilight. Okay. Okay. So we're so good to go that. there. And now open up your garage <gasps> band. Shit, 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 shit. What <laughs> <laughs> happened? It's going to be, it's an entire two seconds of me just going, shit, shit, shit. I, I, I went to hover and I uh, recorded instead. Oh, but that's interesting. There's no sound for the portion that I was going shit, shit, shit. So let me actually, um, do a little mic test, do a little tests. Yeah. Um, this is Sam's shit test. See, it's not picking anything up. Not the shit test. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> let me go back. Did you to... press record like the red button as opposed to the play oh button. damn bitch i'm so stupid I, no no no. i did the same thing earlier that's why i thought of it okay this is this is sam's testing it's not doing anything it's not picking anything up bitch i am steve jobs <laughs> oh my gosh i've never been so thrilled in my life okay so it was for some reason or under output it had my headphones uh-huh. but under input it had microsoft teams audio oh what the hell? yeah and so let me just i did it <laughs> amazing hopefully the audio okay better here i am everything looks good to go oh okay hello and welcome to our podcast, podcast. today we are talking about Bella, where the hell you been, Loka? Where's she been? Where she's been having she a been? rough time, actually, Jacob. Rough time. True. That's right. This is our Twy Hard podcast episode. We thought it would be a really solid start for the first book we talk about to be Twilight because we both love Twilight and it's just, I feel like. Well, I don't feel like this. I know for a fact that it's been having a renaissance right now. So mm-hmm. there is much and it, to talk about. It really, about. Twilight really served um, in my formative years as like getting me fully immersed in like a book addiction, you know, where you can't put it down. That was. Oh, that yeah. Was wasn't it your Twilight. first she, ever book that like you felt like you couldn't put first. down? She was my first. She was my first. Like the book that I couldn't stop reading, that I stayed up all night, like waiting to get the, uh, when Breaking Dawn came out, I think that was one of the last like book releases, like midnight book releases that they were doing. Oh yeah. You know how they used Man, to do those? Never forget those. 
Yeah, I stayed up all night reading Breaking Dawn, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it really, it was a really powerful time for me. Yeah. Really. For me, I don't, it wasn't the first book that did that to me, because that book in, belongs in my heart to The Hunger Games. However, it was the first... So bizarre. Whatever. <laughs> it was the first... Well, that's a whole other episode. But the Twilight was the first romance that I ever read, and um, for context, we are 25 and 26, so we were in the sixth grade when Breaking Dawn came out. <laughs> the book, not yeah. movie. So I read this whole series in the sixth grade. And mm -hmm. I had never read romance before because I was in the sixth grade. So it was a new concept for me and very exciting because it was not only a romance, but a vampire romance. I know. It was the paranormal, the rise of the paranormal um, romance. Yes, and there's a lot to talk about here because obviously there's the books, which is a whole discussion because there are objectively pretty bad if I'm being honest <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the movies which I feel like had a much more significant cultural impact than the books and then there's also just like the kind of craze that it created and then the renaissance that's happening right now and so it's just been a really big part of my life since the very beginning which is hilarious because when I was in the sixth grade I didn't really know what sex was and so reading Breaking Dawn Looking back, like, I don't even know what I thought <laughs> reading that, but... Like, why did he break the headboard? I don't get it. Yeah, I was pretty confused as to why the headboard broke. So. Yo, but that scene, not to uh, really jump ahead, <laughs> but when she, like, walks out into the ocean wearing just the towel and she, like, drops the towel, I was like, ew. Yeah. I was so not about that. I was like, Bleh. Same, I was I don't want to be naked on a beach <laughs> i was like disgusting literally horrifying to my 12 year old brain i feel like with that we could just get right into the first twilight movie because we did prepare for this by re-watching all the twilight movies but not rereading all the books because i would take too long and they're bad <laughs> and also by we um you mean just riley riley was the only one who rewatched. i, Wait, well, I like thought you to did it I didn't, I rewatched them on like a, like occasion, like they're on TV a lot. Oh. <laughs> like this is the realm that we're in. So I have rewatched them. I usually rewatch the whole series about once a year, give or take, but I did not do it specifically prior to this podcast. But yeah, let's, um, let's get into Twilight, that first one, the one that started it all. Yeah, so Tell this, me this movie, let thoughts. me give you some facts here that are kind of fun. Twilight came out in 2008, so um, we were 11 in that year, or at least I was, you were 12 by then probably. So we were very young, and it, uh, the box office opening uh, revenue was $69 million, which was a lot. But the movie, yeah, because the movie came out, wait, the movie came out in 2008 too? I thought the book dropped in 2008. No, the book came out, I want to say 2005. Let me verify that. Yeah, Twilight came out in 2005, Damn. the book. Nobody knows their dates like you do. So yeah, Twilight came out in 2005 and it wasn't really super big, but it did have kind of like a, that core 
fan base and it was starting to grow. And so then by the time the movie came out, that fan base was so excited about it that it really just blew up and became a whole midnight premiere and was a whole thing. I remember I didn't go to the midnight premiere because I was literally 11 years old, but my mom went because her and a bunch of ladies from church, like had a little party, which looking back, this is so funny, but they like had a little party and then they all went to twilight together. And I remember her coming back and talking all about the, how bad the special effects were. (laughs) And I was 11, so I was like, okay, because I hadn't read the books at this point. And then, obviously, shortly after I read the books. But when I saw the movie, I was like, wow, (laughs) this is amazing. I was not like, hmm, when Edward's running, it looks like they're just moving a bunch of objects past him while he runs in place. Because that's what my mom said when she came home. Or, like, when he's jumping from tree to tree and he's like, hold on, spider monkey. That scene... (laughs) shook me to my core. I was like, what am I watching? What happened? Yeah, that was a cultural reset, that that quote. That was an emotional reset for me. (laughs) Yeah, that too. It's funny because um, I feel like one of the most iconic things about this movie is the blue filter. I feel like it's really known, and that's what sets it apart from the other movies, which is interesting to me because... Uh, honestly like watching back there's something comforting about that blue filter but I feel like if I had watched it as an adult I would have been like why like somebody went way too hard on the temperature slider in whatever movie uh, software they use because it just like everyone looks kind of sick because they're all so pale so pale When I think it's kind of interesting because now that you say that this came out in 2008, and I I never thought about this before, but how heavy the filter is really corresponds to the very start of using social media and like filtering our own photos. And we were doing like outrageously heavy, extreme filtering, I feel like during this time or like shortly thereafter where it was like everything is in sepia or whatever Mm -hmm. and I I think it's interesting that I think if I had been an adult watching this movie when it came out I don't think the filter would have been as jarring as it is now yeah does that make sense yeah I agree I think I agree because I think at the time we really were doing the most I don't think we were using Instagram quite yet in 2008 but shortly after 2009 2010 whenever it came out Yeah, we were doing the most with those filters, turning our faces bright yellow and erasing all the details. So it was probably (laughs) not that uh, stark of a difference watching a movie like this and seeing the heavy filter. And it does contribute to the vibe, like the cool Pacific Northwest vibe. Because it's so blue here. That's kind of what (laughs) retrospectively is sort of funny to me because I am over here in Seattle. I've been to Forks. I've been to the Olympic National Forest, all that jazz. And it's not blue. Like it's <laughs> it's green and gray and, and that's it. The, like the blue is actually much more rare to have like a really, even the ocean is not like that kind of blue. It's more like a gray. So I think that's kind of interesting um, retrospectively where I'm like, it's, it's not even accurate. That's so true. I've never thought about that. Because it is just, like, green. There's, like, moss everywhere. And 
Yeah. But I wonder if it was to try and make it look like rainy all the time. I think it was just to try and make them look like the vampires to look a bit more other. Not spooky, but semi-threatening, you know? Yeah. I think that was the intent. I think now it's very comforting. I would agree to watch it. It's like, oh, you know, that heavy blue filter. But that's just because it's nostalgic more than anything. But I feel like the intention was more to kind of have it feel more ominous. It's funny because I also, like, I think the blue filter is so comforting, but comforting but jacob roasts the shit out of this movie anytime i watch it he's like ew everybody looks like they're sick i think it adds to it i don't know like it's a it's a paranormal movie and i feel like they made this switch in the later movies to like these kind of warm tones Mm. and i feel like they they went too far over on the spectrum into warm tones i would agree i think i would have preferred it maybe not as a as intense as they did the first one, but if they had carried over at least a semi-blue, certainly leaning into the cool tones all the way throughout the series, I think that would have been um, much better. And it's interesting because when she has the scene with Jacob and they're walking on the beach in the push, I don't recall that having any like blue filtering. Oh, interesting. So I, I feel like, and I haven't, I would have to do like a rewatch to like really intently look, but I do wonder if they utilize the filtering only when Edward is around or like Bella's thinking about Edward or doing stuff with Edward, that sort of thing. And then, cause even the scenes, I think about the scenes where it's just like her and Mike or her and Jessica. And I don't feel like the filter is as intense. That is interesting. I have not paid that much attention but the, i could see them yeah having it stronger when she is interacting with the vampires and thinking mm-hmm. about them talking about them stuff like mm-hmm. that because you're right i feel like that that gym scene where where that's exactly what i was saying <laughs> where mike's like shouldn't you be tan and she's like guess that's why they kicked me out of arizona i feel like that's i don't know i yeah i don't recall that being super super blue but any scene mm-hmm. where she's like outside is really, so blue. Really blue. Except the scene on the beach. I feel like the beach in my mind is not blue. But I yeah, could be projecting. True. I that scene is like not very memorable to me in the movie, so I can't recall it. I just have such a distinct memory of the way Taylor Lautner says cold ones that it's like <laughs> imprinted on my brain. He he like just the way he enunciates cold ones or whatever. I can't. I can't handle it. And I just, can we have a moment of silence for the wig that he has to wear that entire film? Oh my God. I was like, bro. The wigs in this whole series are not good. Wigs. I just, it's so, nothing pulls you out of a story, particularly like a fantasy-esque story, like a bad wig. And you cannot tell me that you don't have it in your budget to pay someone who knows what they're doing to buy a good-ass wig and apply it correctly. Because I've seen it done. It's possible. We know that Eleven had a wig on for whatever season, season four? Stranger Things 4, yeah. Yes. And 
flawless, incredible. The wigs yeah. in that entire season four, it just immaculate. And you're out here telling me that nobody could have figured that out for a single one of these Twilight movies. I mean, really, really yeah. all the way up to the fourth one or, you know, Breaking Dawn part one and two with the stupid Volturi. I was like, what is happening? And yeah, and Rosalie, Rosalie has a oh terrible wig in every movie. And it makes me so frustrated because uh, I just feel like it really takes me out. Like Rosalie's supposed to be this yeah. character that like, her beauty is her superpower or whatever and it, mm-hmm. and then she's got this awful wig and so it doesn't work even though the actress Nikki Reed is beautiful. She right, right. Just, they really did her dirty. Yeah. I would say Rosalie is my most that's that's probably the casting choice that I disagree with the most. Other than that, I felt like they actually did quite a good job with the casting. Yeah. Yeah, I the cast is an interesting thing to talk about because it's like a lot of them were up and coming actors at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I think Taylor Lautner had only been in what freaking shark boy and lava shark girl. boy and lava girl. Oh, a classic. And then Kristen Stewart, uh, was been in, in, she was in catch that kid. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that movie. And Robert Pattinson had been in Harry Potter. Yes. He was the biggest, one of the biggest ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Ashley Green, uh, which is Alice, was like totally mm-hmm. new to acting. Like she had never been in a, a big movie before. Mm-hmm. I so. think same with um, Kellen Lutz. Yeah. I know that. Um, oh my goodness, what's her name? Who plays Rosalie? Nikki Reed. I know she had acted before. And then obviously, <laughs> I forget this constantly that Anna Kendrick was in this entire series and yeah. acted her ass off. The best possible Jessica casting choice I could have ever imagined exceeded all expectations. It, she really it. did. I, As I was watching the movies again, I was like, Jessica is my favorite character. <laughs> like, she's the most relatable. I know. She's so funny. Anna Kendrick is just so funny. It's, and she yeah. just, she walks that line. Because in the books, Jessica gets pretty annoying. Like, she, yeah, she's uh, you're still, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, stay in your lane, Jessica. Like, no need to be so passive aggressive, Jessica. Retrospectively, as an older adult who maybe knows what, like, a healthy, functioning relationship should look like and recognizes the dynamics that teenagers are experiencing has a much more empathetic take on Jessica. And I think she probably had some pretty good points and she should have been Bella, uh, pissed at Bella for a few things that stands. But, um, Anna Kendrick throughout the whole series straddles this line of being like this annoying character. That's very compelling and entertaining and she doesn't annoy me to watch i can recognize she's annoying to the other characters but she's not annoying to me the watcher which i think is a very impressive on her part because i don't feel like it's her dialogue that was doing that i felt like it was her acting yeah i agree i think she just really kicked ass in this movie it's funny though Mm -hmm. because did you see i don't remember when she tweeted this but she tweeted at some point like oh my god I just remembered that I was in Twilight like, all these years later. <laughs> she just forgot. Um, Honestly, well, it's she's really in every cool. single one, which is crazy to me. I but know. she held on that long. She, she really didn't did. have to. She didn't have to do that for us, but she did. She did. She really did. 
She but, did. And yeah. speaking of Jessica, the most like iconic burned into my brain scene in the first Twilight movie is the scene when all the Collins walk in to the school. <laughs> I think that is yes. art. It's it's cinema. Besides the baseball scene, which is the most iconic mm. scene of the whole movie, mm-hmm. that scene just really. I just remember watching it for the first time, and this was when I got to see all my favorite characters, like, on screen. Mm-hmm. And honestly, my reaction was like, ew, Edward is ugly as a 12-year-old. I, I was I like, know. ew. I was like, why does he... He just looks so angry yeah. all the time, which I understand why Robert Pattinson was, like, playing into that. Um, but also, I just remember watching it and being like, He's so grumpy and like so unapproachable. There's nothing about this guy that's charming. Yeah. But then when I when I've done rereads, especially of Twilight, I'm like, but is Edward charming? I don't I don't think so. He's like so serious. And I think what's so attractive about him in the books is that he's obsessed with her. Yeah. It's not that he's charming or suave or friendly or kind or any of those like positive, healthy characteristics. <laughs> it's just that he is like freaking obsessed with her, would die yeah. for her, watches her while she sleeps. That is so creepy. Um, not but cute. As a 12 year old, you're like, wow. I was so like, romantic. wow, that's what love is. Um, <laughs> Which literally, honestly, somebody needs to do like a study on the impact that Twilight had on the generation of girls who grew up with it. And if we have greater tendencies towards toxic relationships because of that, because what awful content to be like, this is a model of romance and we all think this is the most romantic thing ever when he is literally a stalker. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, this is making me think about some of those 1D fanfics we read in high school where... Uh With, like, dark Harry. Yeah, like, Harry's just such a bad boy, and he, like, basically stalks the the main character, and all the readers were like, oh my god, this is so hot. Bad boy Harry. Like, that was because we were the generation raised on Twilight. I know, I'm like, god, what what, kind of impact did that have on me, and should I be concerned? I don't know. It just is crazy. Um, I think that's my biggest takeaway when I reread, because I do sometimes reread, especially like my favorite chapters and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, and rewatch the movies. It's just like how messed up and flawed Edward is. Like there's so many decisions that he makes that you're like, whoa, this is way, this is like inappropriate and not healthy. And then when I'm reading the books, I'm so team Edward. But then when I take a step back and I'm like, okay, this is, let's think reasonably. I'm like, oh my God, Jacob. Jacob is the only solid dude here up until we get to book three where he has some serious blips. Yeah. Um, and doesn't know how consent works, but that's okay, not. Yeah, that's it's so funny to me looking back that everyone was Team Edward or Team Jacob when like both of them are just objectively so bad. But I do feel like Edward is less bad because he at least understands consent for the most part. I don't know. I actually go back and forth because every time I watch New Moon, I just hate. I was gonna say I was like New Moon. Here's the thing: New Moon 
you hate Edward so much and Jacob is so good and like so solid throughout that, that entire book even though he turns into a freaking vampire and is like trying to protect her he like werewolf you mean what did I say vampire <laughs> <laughs> yeah he turns into a werewolf that's what I meant um, I think he's still fairly solid up until the end when the Cullens come back, where he obviously derails once again. They both just have this entire book is just such an incredible example of toxic masculinity and like all of the flaws that jealousy and lack of trust within relationships, like how that just sows chaos and toxicity, which is fascinating to me that there's just no like. There's just no healthy option for Bella. Except no. maybe, like, Mike. That's who she really should have ended up with. True. Mike. <laughs> no, he's so stupid. Even though he's, yeah, he's so stupid and annoying. He's annoying. So he may be also questionable on consent. He just yeah. doesn't know how to take no for an answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I just have to talk about a couple of the reactions that I had when I was watching this these movies recently because there were a few things that I just noticed that I feel like I hadn't noticed in <laughs> previous watches. For example, when Bella's like, oh, she's talking about why she doesn't like living in forks and she's like, any cold, wet thing. Why did she have to say that? That is so, <laughs> I hate it. It's so, so ick. much. And big also ick. a big plot point of this movie well not really a plot point but like mike asks her to prom and actually i think in the book like literally everyone on earth tries to ask her to prom and in the movie i think it's mike and then the guy that almost hits tyler. her with his car yeah tyler um tries to ask her it's it's fall right like it's the beginning of the school year right so the timeline in the movies i think is super super confusing it's it's a little confusing in the books but i think it's a bit more clear it's just hard because nowhere in either the books or the movies do they acknowledge any holidays or season change they're just like it <laughs> yeah. rains all the time <laughs> literally which is also not accurate for forks but it's fine i'm just saying justice for washington state that we have just been branded by this franchise as just the worst place to live <laughs> only six months out of the year guys it's fine but um yeah, I, it like, is. You're correct. Is it the beginning of the school year? Because I could have Or does she come in in the middle of the school year? Like, is it January? That's what I don't understand. She comes in... I think it's the beginning of the school year when she, she starts. And I think that initially... I think she gets asked to a different... Oh, is it a different? No, because I think she gets asked to a different dance because she makes up having a trip to Port Angeles. Yes. Because Tyler, I think, maybe asks her to a dance and she says, oh, I'm going to Port Angeles as an excuse to not go. And yeah. then later, And then later I think, she goes to prom with Edward. She, yeah. And then later, I think Mike tries to ask her to prom. Okay, maybe that's how it goes in the books, but, like, Mike definitely asks her to prom at the beginning of the movie, 
So I feel like the movie just really I was like, the... there can only be one dance, and it's prom. And it's prom. That's the only American dance. <laughs> yeah. um, I think maybe it makes maybe the movie has her coming in like in January. I feel like that would make more logistical sense but then i think about how they go to la push and they're like it's a sunny day we're going to la push to go whatever they're like boogie boarding or something i don't remember but not that stephanie meyer knew anything about forks washington when she wrote this as previously discussed but if it's like they're they like talk about how it's finally sunny and stuff so i'm like wait is it now summer is it now may no that can't that doesn't make any sense so the confusion is endless um but you do raise a great point which is let's take a moment to discuss twilight movie prom (laughs) and that iconic blue dress with a crocheted sweater and that um boot that she wears i just don't understand why everyone else is in like regular prom dresses and then Bella looks like she's going to church. I was like, girl, this isn't the look. Yeah. I, it's the sweater that does it for me. I didn't get it. I didn't see the vision. No, I didn't get it either. And I, it honestly, it goes along with what Bella wears in the book. I actually don't know what she wears to prom in the book. But I know in the book, there's this one scene where she wears this long floor length khaki skirt to visit the Colons for the first time. And Edward's like, wow, you look so tempting. Or something stupid. And so it's can like you, um, the Mormonism uh, jumps out. That's what I was about to say. I was like, can you speak to the Mormonism of this book? Oh, Could yeah. You, I the can... Mormon fashions at play? Definitely. Yeah. Because in the book, the, the things that it describes Bella wearing are just so, like, 2005 Mormonism, for sure. Like a floor-length khaki skirt. I'm pretty sure my mom Gross. had one of those. Sorry, Shannon. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> It just makes me, yeah, want to puke because because then Edward's like, you look so tempting. So they at least didn't give her that goddamn stupid skirt in the movie, but they did make her wear stupid stuff. Like, what is that dress? And why is everyone else dressed for prom? And she, you're right, she looks like she's going to church. The Mormonism does not have to jump out in the movie. I know, I know. And the thing is, is she dresses fairly normal, I think, for the rest of the movie. Like, there's nothing... That, doesn't stand out. Like, jumps out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing, like, remarkable about the way she dresses. It's not bad in the sense that I notice anything bad, but it's not good either. You know, it's just very neutral, which I think is very Bella-aligned. Yeah. Um, her personality, though, is not a personality that would ever wear a skirt, so it's hilarious that that's in the book. Um, I know. Because I don't think that's her vibe at all. But then the prom dress is so strange to me because she goes shopping with um jessica and and angela and they're trying on actual prom dresses and it's very normal (laughs) and so it's not like she didn't know what the other girls were wearing yeah i just i don't know i just have thoughts also if we're talking about it raining all the time guess what that's an awful dress to wear in the rain and cold and that's just that it's but I dumb. will say the scene where they dance in the gazebo with that song playing and then he like kisses her neck that oh that it's does cute. Get me a little bit I'm like <laughs> it's cute yeah the thing with these movies is they 
are mostly really cringe, but then there's moments, just because I think uh, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart had such great chemistry mm-hmm. that you they have these moments where you're like, oh my god, this is actually so romantic. Like, oh, this is cute. Mm-hmm. Because, like, even with no character development and no, like, real grounds to have romance, they just have insane chemistry, which, thank god for they that. Truly do. Truly. Unlike Asper... Or, Asper and Dallas. <laughs> I know. Jasper I, Dallas. They have no chemistry. I hate them they, in the movie. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I love uh, the Alice casting. Yeah, I, think. I agree. Ashley Green, great pick. She really hits for me. Um, the Jasper casting, I don't... I'm not going to blame the casting. I'm just going to blame the writing and the fact that they gave him literally nothing. The books you get a fairly fleshed out jasper by the end of it like i feel like we have a good grasp on his personality what's important to him his dynamic with alice and just the the movie literally boils him down to like constantly in pain and constantly wanting to drink people's blood just 24 7 that's his personality which i think does a real disservice to his and alice's relationship it's very unfortunate. Um, and also his journey, like in Eclipse, I think that's one of my favorite parts of Eclipse is reading about how he like came to be. Yeah, his origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, I mean, the Confederacy thing is a, a woof, but it's yeah, just so, it's, yeah, they really like narrow him down into just this guy who stares at things and looks like he's in pain in the movies and why do his yellow colored contacts look so creepy no one else's look i mean they do look weird but like for some reason jasper's just looks so creepy every time he's like on my eyes are like his eyes are like popping out a little bit like he's like all the time (laughs) like really who gives me the heebie-jeebies but yeah i agree about ashley green i think she nailed it specifically the scene burned into everyone's minds is the baseball scene and i think <sighs> that one kick. of the best things about it is her kick because the move or the book describes alice as like always moving like a dancer mm-hmm. and i learned from listening to ashley green's podcast she actually has a podcast where she talks about twilight and she said in that podcast that the the baseball scene was the first scene that they all filmed together so that was like their first time all being together and like basically her first time acting in front of the camera and she did that like okay girl i see you i see you obsessed what a queen honestly that that scene holds up through the test of time i that's one of those scenes that i'll watch like just like the clip of on youtube yeah like i just need to remember just need to be there again yeah yeah, what a moment. It helps that Supermassive Black Hole by Muse is playing. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. So iconic. Oh, yeah. If that wasn't playing, I think it would be kind of cringe. But yeah. that somehow brings it all together. And, like, the sweeping camera shots where it, like, zoops. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? That's, yeah. that's a good time. It's so um, good. It's also really interesting to me that they only play when there's a thunderstorm. I mean, <laughs> I think there's, like, something really funny about that. <laughs> yeah. That they're, like, like, I, and it, like, sounds like they're thundering. And, like, does nobody notice? There's just, like, a giant 
repeat thunder in a very concentrated region just like constantly it's so weird and also why does it have to be baseball like why can't they play football i feel like that'd be less loud i don't know i don't know no because they say when they crash into each other like jasper and Ed- or uh, edward and emmett that's like true. sounds like thunder also not to be another not to bring up another weather issue um but you don't really get thunderstorms in forks that's not super common well um, stephanie meyer too too rainy you're actually not getting a ton of uh warm air colliding with cold air oh look at that, you with the meteorology region. facts i know i know wow true story i only know that because my friend from alaska had actually never heard thunder until she moved to dc and i was like what and she was explaining it to me and i was like damn that doesn't make sense fascinating yeah well stephanie meyer did not do an ounce of research about forks before she wrote this no she did not but (laughs) one um, other thing that i just have to say about the baseball scene is that when when james laura and victoria show up and james gets a whiff of bella he immediately bares his teeth. And this just stuck out to me because I've been reading Sarah J. Mass and uh, in Akatar and, and Throne of so Glass. so much animal. The freaking fae people are always, it's always like Rowan bared his teeth. Uh, and I'm like, wh- nobody Why? bears their teeth in real life. Like, we're not dogs. No, wh- what? So when James did that, I was like, oh my God, that's what it's, He's that's what she's teeth. saying. Like, yeah, that's what the characters in this book are supposed to look like. Like, that's what I thought of immediately. And it's so cringe. It's It looks so unnatural and weird. I, I hate it. Well, and that's, like, when they're, like, he, like, growled. Yeah! What the hell is that? I know. I, I think actually... if you try... I think if you bare your teeth and, like, growling kind of go hand in hand. Like, I feel like it's, like... But it's so, like... I actually saw on or heard on Ashley Green's podcast that they got some footage from the baseball scene of Robert Pattinson growling and they took it out because in the book it says that Edward is like growling at James. So there's supposedly they actually filmed them growling at each other and they took it out because it's so weird and cringe and not natural. I was going to say, it's probably not a sound that, like, the human voice box was really meant to make. No. So that's when I, why I hate when fantasy books are like, he growled, he snarled. Like, what the The fuck? snarl gets me. What on earth Go back is to literally all the uh, Harry Styles fanfic ever. When oh, my like, God. Snarled. I hate like, Harry's never snarled a day in his life. <laughs> no. Yeah. And also... What the fuck does a human snarling smell like? Like, or sound like? like snorting? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't. I hate it so much. So I just when in, in that scene when James does that, I was like, oh wow, this is being taken too literally from the book. We don't need to be baring our teeth. That's that's not it, Chief. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, but you, uh, you gotta tell us about your, um, Jacob revelation that you had. Oh yeah. When I was watching this movie, like I said, I've been reading a lot of SJM. If you've read Akatar, Jacob is the surreal of this movie. He is 
the tea spiller. Like, Bella just goes to him like, hmm, I'm sensing something weird about the colons. And he literally pulls out his teapot and pours her eight cups of tea and serves them to her on a silver platter. Like, he gives her all of the tea that she could ever need. Just unprompted. so, so wild about it is he's like, these are, like, my community's secret stories that are passed down and blah 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 and it's like supposed to be this sort of like sacred uh, like storytelling passed down and he's like but i'll tell you because i think you're a babe and he just goes off he also does. just like the fact that she is able to like make the leap from point a to point b and jacob is able to just like sew that up to point c that edward is a vampire is the stupidest thing i have ever contemplated like she does not doubt (laughs) she's like damn jacob he's a vampire well not jacob but she's like damn jacob you just revealed it to me edward's a vampire she's never like nah it should be something that i'm gonna reject that because it's just like not logical like without seeing edward actually vampire it up i know we have some incidents that make her recognize that there's something else going on but like i feel like until i saw that man's suck blood i would be like no way he's a vampire there's something else happening she same just, i just can't believe that she just makes that leap and is like yep that's the one yeah i feel like that's just kind of like lazy writing in the book because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it would have taken way too imagine long if that. was skeptical yeah so imagine that's <laughs> my other thing about the first book that I didn't really realize before until I rewatched the movie but literally nothing happens yeah like they're they're just in high school you don't get plot mm-hmm. until the no. very end after the baseball scene literally nothing it's just like even her figuring out he's a vampire is not particularly plot. Like, it, it's just so, I'm a high schooler doing high school things, and in the background, there's, like, some weird stuff happening. But generally, just a high schooler doing high school things. It, I can't believe I didn't recognize that when I first read it, that there's literally nothing happening. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I, I reread the books last fall, and that's the exact realization I had. I was like, holy shit, there's no plot. It's literally every chapter is Bella goes to school. Bella goes home and cooks for Charlie. Bella goes to school. Bella goes home. It's like nothing. Nothing. Also, um, this just triggered a thought in my head, which you are not as familiar with Teen Wolf as I am. No, I'm not. I'm well-versed. But Styles is literally just like a superior version of Bella um, for a multitude of reasons. One being they both have sheriffs for fathers and they both <laughs> cook them food and take care of them. Um, that being the main reason. They're also friends with werewolves. And uh, that might be where the similarities end. They're both brunettes. Yeah. And I love them so both. True. So now that i think about it there's no connections whatsoever um but we should talk about new moon because lots of things to unpack with this standout least favorite most favorite um part of the saga 
How do you feel about the New Moon movie? Is it one you revisit very much? Parts of it. I would say, as a whole, it's not a movie that I'm rewatching from start to finish. But it is a movie where I like parts of it. I enjoy the Bella Jacob content where they're like having a good time, just like broing about. I enjoy the werewolf content. Um, and I do like to rewatch the end, like Volturi content. Mm-hmm. The portion at the beginning, like with the birthday, the birthday party is so cringe. I hate. can't hate, can't watch it. Um, also who has ever bled that much from a paper cut? Nobody. Literally. Nobody. Um, and obviously when he leaves her in the woods, when she's emo, that I will say the scene where it like rotates through the seasons and she's just sitting at the window. Powerful. That's I cinematography was say, at its best. That it's is a, the baseball scene of this movie. Agreed. Agreed. That's, that's the iconic. Um, that's good shit. But then I take a lot of issue uh, with the parts where she's like doing reckless behavior to see Edward. And she's essentially, it's like suicide ideation is really what it is. And I don't think we ever get any true clarity or reflection on why she's seeing Edward and what does that mean? And I think this idea that she's literally like, indulging in really dangerous behaviors so that she can feel i guess closer to him like she's intentionally doing things that she knows he wouldn't want her to do and then which is obviously i think there's a lot of mental health issues happening for bella she's really going through it in this book and the minute edward comes back she's cured she never had depression she never you know essentially was borderline suicidal question mark i think i think that an argument is to be made with that um she's just like cured and i think it's so ridiculous that she's cured by him and then we never acknowledge it again in fact in eclipse they make a point of her like not bringing it up because she doesn't want edward to feel bad yeah and i'm like wait we have trauma on both sides frankly And I think Jacob is actually super valid in a lot of parts in Eclipse for being so frustrated and angry with Bella and Edward because he saw her at her worst. And then he sees her immediately just be like, everything's fine and Edward is totally forgiven and I was the one who was bad, blah, blah, blah. And Jacob's like, the fuck? That doesn't make any sense, Loca or Chica or whatever he calls her. (laughs) Chica. Well, it's like, he doesn't call her Loka, does he? And I was like, I think he does. No, he but literally I, does. But I think he actually has some real good points on that front. Does he take it too far? Do things get out of hand at the end of the clips? Yes. But I think, for me, New Moon has a lot of really serious content that I don't think is ever given clarity or weight or resolution. It's just thrown in there. I don't know for for like emotional impact to make sure that you know that she would die for him i i don't i don't think it's good content and i don't think it's content that 12 year olds should have been indulging in but yet here we are yeah i agree because as a 12 year old reading this book 
every time she hallucinated and saw Edward, I was like, oh my god, Edward! Like, I was so excited every time he came back, because as a young reader, the whole time I was just missing Edward. Yes, I would agree. As an adult reading it, I was like, holy shit, the amount of trauma that a relationship ending would, would have to inflict on somebody in order for them to full-on hallucinate that right, their partner is right. talking to them. That's actually so concerning and something you should definitely see a therapist or a doctor about if that's actually happening. And I think in New Moon, the book, Charlie tells her that she should go to a therapist. She needs to talk to somebody, And yeah. she's like, you want me to see a shrink? What? And it's like just totally brushed off, which this did come out, the book came out in 2006 before everyone was like talking about therapy and it was like still kind of taboo to go to therapy. But still, (laughs) it's actually so upsetting that I was reading this as a 12 year old and was like, oh my God, yes, do whatever you can to see Edward. Because like, Uh no. Well, and what's, what drives me crazy is there's that scene where she finally goes out with Jessica. Yes. And she, what is it? It's like a biker gang or something like that is like catcalling them. And she intentionally like goes out of her way to like interact with them. And Jessica, she like drags her into it and puts her in like a very vulnerable position and then gets on I think she gets on the bike with the dude and just leaves Jessica, doesn't she? She does. So Jessica, I feel so bad for her in this moment because she's like, Bella, what the hell? And Bella just literally does whatever she wants and ignores Jessica. Bella's a terrible friend. Oh, yeah. With a capital T. To lit- Even to Alice, I think she's a shitty friend. Like, there's like no one she's a good friend to. No, she doesn't because she doesn't care about anyone except Edward. Mm-hmm. Including yeah. Jacob. Yeah, I I also hate that New Moon also has, like, no plot until the very end because the whole thing is just, like, Bella being sad. And it's, like, trying to be this, like, emotional journey for her and her, like, becoming close to Jacob and him being the light. But after reading <laughs> Throne of Glass and Akatar, where we see female characters go through, like, actual mm-hmm. journeys and arcs and, like getting through mental health issues <laughs> this is just so laughable like it's so stupid because it mm-hmm. just is showing that bella needs a boy to be happy right That's literally it because even when she starts to get better it's because of jacob yeah and their relationship and I think it could have been, and initially it's okay because they are friends and their whole dynamic is one of friendship. And I think that just because he's a boy doesn't necessarily invalidate that. But then it it makes such a transition of Jacob just wants to date her. Jacob just interested in romance with her that it it like really takes away, I think, from what had sort of tentatively been started and just kind of, turns it in once again she needs to be romantically linked to a guy in order to be happy to be fulfilled um yeah which yeah I, I there's just a lot of toxicity i think in new moon yeah i hate <sighs> new moon when i was watching this movie i was like i literally hate this movie there's moments that i like like you said where like the mm-hmm. the scene 
where the seasons are passing and the camera's going around her and it's like, there's a possibility. Like, that is such good shit. But, oh, the most of it is just so hard to watch. Like, it's hard to watch Edward leave her in the woods. Mm-hmm. It's hard to watch her be weird and distant from Jacob because she's so dumb and, like, still focused on Edward. It's hard to watch her have these hallucinations and be a terrible friend like it's just and then it's hard to watch the end when she just forgives him and he asked mm-hmm. her to he asked her to marry him at the end i didn't realize how that. old are they because i didn't remember that they're he graduates no, she's not even she's not even 18 because they don't graduate until eclipse and he's gone a full year isn't he yes but i'm pretty sure that in new moon she, i think she's no, I, don't remember. I think she's 17 i think she's wait, wait, wait. 16 remember in twilight no, because at the beginning of New Moon, she has her birthday, and she has this dream where she's in the meadow, and she sees her grandma, and she comes face-to-face with her grandma, and then she's like, oh, Realizes shit, it's her. that's me. And then she goes crying to Edward next the next day that, oh my god, I'm 18, so now I'm older than you. And it's like this huge crisis for her. So she's 18, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay. New Moon begins on Bella's 18th birthday. So does that mean... I thought he was gone for, like, six months. So he doesn't get back until, like, March, April. And they graduate school in, what, May? They literally are engaged for a maximum three months. Yeah. So what, do they get married? They get married in June, don't they? I think so. Yeah. Bonkers. Literally That's the Mormon insane. right That's, there. I was That's the Mormonism. Say, the Mormonism mm-hmm. jumped out in that one. Wow. She yeah. thought she could slip us slip it past us but i know and she tried to like make it a thing where bella's like no edward i can't marry you because my parents got married young and i think it's stupid and and like bella actually makes some pretty valid points i don't remember if she says them in the movie but in the book she's like edward no like i don't want to be that weirdo who like gets married right out of high school uh-huh. that's fucked up like that's i mean she made some points i wouldn't want to get married at 18 so mm, yeah well, and it, what's so crazy, too, is because she does push back on the getting married at 18 thing, it literally makes it so clear that they're just getting married so that they can have sex. Because yep. Edward won't bang her outside of marriage because he's worried about her soul. His, yeah. Their Which, dress. what kind of message is that? He's literally like, like, he like literally talks about damnation and he's like, I don't want... Like, if, if your soul isn't damned because a vampire, like, I don't want it to be damned because we have sex outside of marriage. I was like, bro, that's content to to feed a child. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, I listened to a, another podcast recently where they were talking about Twilight and kind of comparing it to purity culture and how the whole thing, it's interesting, I had never made this parallel, but, like, the whole thing about Edward being so tempted by Bella's blood and having to, like, resist her all the time and be so careful around her is, like, a metaphor for purity culture. And I was like, oh, my God, I never thought of this, but it makes so much sense because the kind of language that they use is really common in Mormonism like temptation and resisting yeah Yeah. so well i i hate that um i hate it too that's the worst (laughs) but yeah it's literally so bonkers that he 
I also don't, I don't understand. And we just do not get, once again, we don't get any clarity on this of how Edward goes from, I am forcing my entire family, which Bolt, his whole ass family, to pick up their lives and leave. He rips away any trace of himself from her, which is a lot. Like all the photos, I was like, bro, you did not have the right. Trauma. Um, Honestly, that's whatever. So traumatizing. So glad it's not me. But he does all of this shit because he wants her to stay safe. He thinks he's a threat to her. He thinks his family is a threat. And then he finds out that she maybe killed herself, maybe died in an accident, whatever. And he goes to kill himself and she saves him. And he's immediately like, you know what? I'm, I changed my mind about this whole massive choice that he made and made this huge ass deal of and like made it, like, I just don't understand how he was like so serious about forcing his entire family to leave and then like on the flip of a coin he's like never mind i'm moving back we're getting married i'm dedicated to you for life i'm like bro nothing's changed yeah that's why the marry me ending is so weird because it makes no sense spent the entire movie away from her and like making her miserable because of it and then they get back together and he's like oh let's get married what nonsense Absolute nonsense. Hate it. Yeah. um, New Moon is objectively really stupid. I think. Mm -hmm. But it does uh, bring us to Eclipse, which I think Eclipse is probably... It's it's up there as a fave, for sure. I like the plot in Eclipse. I think when I was reading it the first time, I really felt like I was like, oh, I don't... I don't really know what's going on with the whole vampires in Seattle. It's like a subplot initially, but then the Volturi are a little bit of a subplot. We don't know if they're the same. Yeah. And then you also have the werewolf uh, vampire tension is like finally fully at play. And I think I found the plot of this book to be the most interesting of all of them. I agree. There's, like, actually plot in this book and movie and, like, shit happening and, like, some mystery. So, we love that. The There are some things that I hate, though. <laughs> oh, oh, there's stuff I hate in every single one of them. I'm just saying plot-wise. <laughs> it's improved. Yeah. Yeah. What, th- what things do you hate in Eclipse? What comes to mind first? Um, so, I really hate Jacob in Eclipse. Yeah. Um, I really loved parts of him scenes of him in new moon um he really got me in that one and then in eclipse he's just a dick the whole time and that scene where they're like he's just here's the thing i don't love edward i obviously there's a lot to unpack with edward's life choices um but Jacob just goes out of his way to antagonize Edward to the point where it's not about Bella. It's not about how she feels at all. It's literally just about like one epping Edward. Mm -hmm. And I think to some extent, Stephanie Meyer tries to play it off as it's like a species dynamic. You know, it's just werewolves can't get along with vampires kind of thing, but it doesn't land. It doesn't like hit what it, what really hits 
is that Jacob just can't stand not being the alpha male literally in Bella's life. And it's just so annoying and cringe and toxic. And that scene in the tent when she's like really cold and Edward is really genuinely he's like really upset because he can't help her and he knows he's only gonna make the situation worse Mm -hmm. and he is like yes Jacob I know you're a thousand degrees and so for Bella because I care about her I'm gonna concede this and I'm gonna let you have this and Jacob's a dick about it he just rubs it in his face and it's just so rude and I know they have like that kind of moment when Bella's sort of awake sort of should they, they think she's asleep and they have a good little conversation mm-hmm. but generally i think over overall jacob is really problematic in this book yeah, um i agree also the whole thing with the baby vampires like brie i don't know if you ever read that oh little, yes the um, short novella. second life of brie tanner yeah yeah that that, that makes me really sad that they, they have a really sad, sad story yeah. um so don't love that Obviously, Jacob or Jasper's Confederacy past is <laughs> not no, Whoa. not great. Don't love it. Why? Um, an interesting choice on her part, for yeah. sure. I think she was like, "I want him to be a Southern gentleman," and it's like, didn't have to, didn't have to do that. Um, but I do enjoy, at least in the books, kind of the arc that he gets. Like, how we learn how he found Alice. I do enjoy that. I don't particularly... The movies, I don't think, do a particularly good job. No. But I enjoy it in the books. So... I agree. Those are... I also love the side werewolves. So all the werewolves, except for Jacob, I think are a good-ass time. They entertain me a lot. Even was... Is Leah in Eclipse? Yeah, Uh, she's in Eclipse. A little bit, yeah. But she's a little bit bitchy, maybe, but I'm still about it. Um, so I, I really like the werewolf content. I just don't like the Jacob content. Yeah, I agree. The Jacob content in Eclipse is horrible. Also, I hate imprinting. That is the worst Oh my gosh, I forgot thing. about that. Oh, it's the worst thing to happen in this whole series. I hate it so much. And this is the one where it's introduced, this movie. And here's the thing. So what I want to know is did Stephanie Meyer, when she was writing this love triangle, was the imprint always her way out? Like, was that always on the mind? Because I think if it had been imprinting, but it was like, oh, like only with people who are of age or, or, you know, like my age, you know, something where it wasn't with children. Like it was like more of just like a regular soulmate storyline. I think that could have been interesting. I think that could have been something that I would have really enjoyed and found. I don't know. I like soulmates. I'm a soulmate thick gal. I'm all about it. But like, why is he like oh my gosh what does he say he's like because they're talking about Embry I think has the imprint who's like a baby and he's like she'll he'll be like the best big brother until she she like grows and he'll be her best friend and then he'll be like her lover or whatever and it's like and they like don't age until they match 
the ages with their imprint or whatever, I was like, girl, we did not need to do this. Yeah. This was not, I this was not hate it. it. I hate it. Because I agree. We can have faded mates or soulmates. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the plenty of the fantasy shit we read has that, but uh, it doesn't need to be on babies. Like, I can just, we not imprint why? on babies? Can we not <laughs> the bar is so low. <laughs> Oh, I hate it so much. And then people speculate about, like, oh, Jacob was drawn to Bella because he was going to imprint on her fetus or something like, like that. Like, he was, like, drawn to her eggs. Yeah, like, that's what like, that theory is saying. I hate I hate that. I just hate everything about that, and I yeah. think it's so gross. And I think the thing that's so frustrating is I think it – what would have been so much more interesting to me is if, like, Jacob, like, I think about um, the, whatever, quote-unquote, cousins that the Cullens have who live in Alaska. Oh, yeah. If, like, Jacob had imprinted on one of them. Oh, Spicy, yeah. intriguing, like, ending this, like, vampire werewolf feud. Obviously, I don't know that it would actually work because I think the point – of imprinting was explained to be that it would like pass on the gene. So I guess maybe that doesn't work, but I just, if he, like we really could have done something here where I don't know, they all could have ended up happy and he didn't have to essentially sign himself up for a sexual relationship with her daughter. Yeah. You know, it was there, especially because what messes me up so bad is they're like, Renessa made like grows super fast and she'll be fully grown by the time she's seven years old. And I'm like, so what does that mean for this whole imprinting thing? Yeah. Like, oh, or like, so I don't know. I just, I don't even want to say it out loud, but you are thinking what I'm thinking. Yeah. And she's fully grown at seven years old? Because yeah. how, can, how can that happen? Like, you... I'm just, like, trying to conceptualize... You've only been on the Earth for seven years, but you have an adult brain? No. There's going to be no. still some maturity lacking there. Mm-hmm. And so that's really upsetting. No, the imprinting thing is really a strange... It's a really strange thing to introduce, and I don't really understand why. I understand wanting to resolve the love triangle and wanting Jacob to fight for the vampires and, like, the Cullens. Uh-huh. And I think she was trying, I guess, to find a way to solve all of those issues. I just don't think this was it. And, like, how he goes, it's like when he's going to kill the baby and then they make... First of all, Homeboy was going to kill, kill a, baby. a baby. Yeah. I mean, we could have at least waited to see if it was, like, a murdering vampire monster. I, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> and then he immediately is like, oh, my God, I'm thinking about the scene in the book or in the movie when he, like, falls to his knees. Ugh. Oh, God, it's so bad. And it's, like, that creepy CGI baby and... Yeah, that, yeah, okay, we've, like, really moved on to Breaking Dawn here, but there's so much to unpack with 
the creepy baby and mm-hmm. and the Jacob imprinting and you named my daughter after the Loch Ness monster and uh I I when I was going to watch Breaking Dawn part 1 I was like mm-hmm. I hate this do not make me watch it I don't want to watch it this is one I literally never watched but I actually forgot that the wedding scene is actually kind of cute Yeah the wedding scene <laughs> is quite sweet and it's it's quite pretty, and she gets that dance with Jacob, which I actually think is is quite sweet. Yeah, but dude, when she's pregnant, I, the movie—I don't know if it was like CGI makeup artist, I don't know—but Homegirl looks rough. I like can't. It's so upsetting. The end made me so upset in this movie because as soon as that fucking baby came out, Edward should have bit her. So that she could start, like, turning into a I vampire. know, and he, like, holds her. And he looks yeah. at her. And I'm like, bro. Like, what? Time is of the essence. I also... Here's my big beef with the book. And I don't know why this is such a big beef. But the fact that Bella, like, stays silent for the entirety of the transformation when, like, not even Carlisle could do that... I'm like, what? Yeah. At no point did we see this kind of like, this is so not Bella. Bella is a screamer and a crier. The girl is not particularly resilient, if I'm being honest. Like, she's emotionally and physically fragile. And I don't understand. And it like, I was like, she, that moment to me is such a pick me, like, girl moment. It's like, I'm so different. Yeah. I didn't scream and I and then she never tells anyone and I she just lets them think that the morphine worked I was like what I completely forgot about that part in the book that she like doesn't scream but I mean it checks out because Bella's whole thing as a character is that she is like the not like other girls pick me kind of girl which it was cool to be that in 2008 so everyone was wanted to be bella it was like so easy to self-insert be like i'm not like other girls and a guy should be obsessed with me so yeah that's classic bella to be like i'm just different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i just so much of breaking dawn is upsetting to me like the First of all, before we even get into the pregnancy, Jacob getting mad at her for wanting to have sex on her honeymoon. Oh! <laughs> oh, shoot. I totally forgot about that. Yo. Bro. So upsetting. I, I, and here's the thing, is we never get any redemption. on. Well, not that we don't get any redemption, but we get no closure or growth for all of these shitty things and like misogynistic things that Jacob does like his issues with consent his issues with like Bella having the freedom to make her own choices and to have sex with her now husband on her wedding night like he is so stupid and such an asshole through all those moments and then what? He imprints on baby Renesme and it's fine? It's like, no, he was a shitty dude before. And he should be, naturally, a shitty dude now because he hasn't gone through any growth unless the imprint, like, changes you that much. I just, I think it's really, it's just bonkers how much he just gets away with. Yeah, that's what was upsetting to me in Breaking Dawn Part 2 when I was watching is that 
Jacob does not decide that he's happy for Edward and Bella until after he imprints on Renesmee. And then that's when he's like, oh, you guys look good together. Like, it's giving those toxic girls that don't know how to be happy single. Like, he just Mm -hmm. is so toxic. and, And we haven't even really discussed the consent thing that much, but the scene in Eclipse where he, like, forces, he forcibly kisses Bella is so upsetting. And, well, then and then he just continues to suck. <laughs> until well, and what the imprints. drives me crazy is yeah, so he forcibly kisses her. She punches him, breaks her hand, and especially in the movies, it's turned into this like kind of funny moment. Like it's yeah. like comical, like haha, like werewolf's faces are hard or whatever she says. And it's like, bro. This was extremely problematic and she did not want it so bad that she like not only pushed him away, but punched him in the face. Like if that were to happen between two like regular human people, we would all be like, dude is effed up, you know? Yeah. And he never apologizes in my recollection. I could be wrong. No, I don't think he does. No, because then they have a consensual kiss later and he just, like, takes so much satisfaction in it. It's so upsetting. And and he just never has any remorse for the awful ways that he treated her throughout the entire series. And I think that for him, them, to get this full tilt redemption arc that requires zero effort on his part, it's just is really mind-boggling um i just don't i don't like it (laughs) yeah no i don't like it either i really hate jacob in breaking dawn part one as well and i mean in breaking Mm -hmm. dawn part two he just is kind of there but uh i do think that (laughs) breaking dawn part one i regrettably has some redeeming moments because when I was watching it I was like oh wait this is kind of cute like Bella needing a few human minutes before they have sex on their honeymoon she was Mm -hmm. really real for that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the broken bed is just honestly really iconic and funny and like the feathers everywhere and yeah and the music is so good I mean the music in all the movies is so good but um (laughs) it's like the movie really takes a downturn once she becomes pregnant oh yeah I just have to take a moment to point out in your notes where you wrote the fact that Edward is a virgin is just dot, 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 so wild. I had that never crossed my mind. He's like he, a hundred something years a old. a hundred year old virgin. Why? Why? What was the reason? I, it's the Mormonism. He already, he already believed his soul was damned, so he might as well, you know? I like, know. The, why? He went about Um, on a murder spree for a while. I know. I know. We're like, oh, he was a murderer. And it's like, (laughs) but he wasn't allowed to have sex. What? So, so much to unpack. Like, maybe Stephanie Meyer needs to talk to someone um, because her views on sex are flawed and painful. I also Um, felt like the Mormonism really jumped out in this movie and book 
with Bella deciding to keep the baby in the first place, despite mm-hmm. literally everyone telling her that it's going to kill her. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, like, she doesn't really have any good reason, which obviously no. it's really personal to people, whether they want to keep their babies or not. But when everybody's telling her, you are going to die, and she's like, oh, I still want to do it. Like, and, oh. she just, and you're so right. She never really, there's a lot of, reasons why somebody would choose to have a baby even when they know that there's like very serious risk involved like there are legitimate reasons that's not a bad thing for people to choose to do if that's like their personal choice but bella never gives any of those reasons like she's never like oh, I've always wanted to be a mom or we see no point in any of the series with her wrestling with the fact that she won't be able to have kids when she's a vampire, even though Rosalie like has a direct conversation with her and is like, this is why I hate being a vampire is because I can't ever be a mom and that's all I ever wanted. And Bella's like, okay, you know, like there's no, that doesn't register in her mind as like something that might impact future things. Like it just like comes out of nowhere that she's like, no, I would die for this baby, but I'm not going to tell you any reason why or lay any foundation as to why. Like, yeah, it's really, I don't know. It's, it's a very odd, the pregnancy thing for me was a really odd turn. Um, also we got to talk about the most cringe, iconic, painful portion, worse in my opinion than the imprinting. Um, point that is made in this book which is when Edward asks Jacob if he would like impregnate Bella so she could have children and they compare it to a video store rental where like Jacob would just check her out on the weekends and then return her to Edward I mean Jacob's like using it as like a derogatory metaphor it's not like a funny thing but Edward is literally like she wants a baby she's gonna die you could have a baby with her so she could have that what is that in the book because that is not in the movie it's it that's because they knew it was crazy yes it's in the book oh my god i haven't absolutely nuts i'm gonna google it right now oh my Um, god last year when i did my rereads i stopped at breaking dawn i was like i cannot literally i just i just googled edward asks jacob first thing that comes up edward asks jacob to get bella pregnant (laughs) oh my god i hate that wow that is really cringe and actually insane that is one of the good editing choices these movies made um when they decided to be true to the books is they took out that craziness they took out charlie telling jacob congratulations after he kissed bella and she punched him i was glad they did that uh, Charlie. yeah, in the books, Charlie's like, oh, Jacob, nice one, congratulations. And in the movies, he just, like, doesn't react. But, oh my god, wow, I had forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, chapter nine of book two, like, part two, you know what I mean? Wow. Oh my god, this is something I didn't bring up, but when I went to see Breaking Dawn part one with my mom in mm-hmm. I can't believe you went with your mom, that's crazy to me. 
Listen, I read the book when I was 12, so it never registered to me that, like, sex was a big part of it, because I didn't know what the fuck was happening when they were breaking the bed and, and stuff. Why are and, like, they naked, naked, Mom? I just, I just simply had no thoughts about it. I remember <laughs> her getting naked and being like, huh, and then just moving on. I was like, I just don't even want to think about it. So then in 2011... I would have been 14. That was like our freshman year of high school. So then I went to go see that movie, the midnight premiere with my mom. And she felt like she had to have the talk with me afterwards. Cause she's like, Whoa, now that movie was steamy. And I was like, at that point I knew what sex was. And I was like, mom, please, please stop. <laughs> and it was so steamy. Um, it's not a steamy scene. It's I just think not. it's, it's hilarious to me that Twilight was what triggered your mom to give you the talk. <laughs> well, she had kind of given it to me before in other little snippets throughout middle school. But after that movie, she's like, I think we need to talk about what happened. And I was like, no, mom, we really don't. Like, we really don't. I know what happened. And, and I was able to, like, diffuse it. <laughs> But I remember Trust it me, being man. so stressful and uncomfortable. And I specifically remember her being like, oh, that was really steamy. Which, like, watching it as an adult now, I'm like, this is not... You, like, you literally don't see anything. Either. It's not even really implied, except for the broken bed. I know. It's, yeah, it's not... It's the least steamy sex scene I've, I've ever seen, genuinely. It really is. Although the scene where she comes out in the lingerie and she, like, leans against the doorway and they laugh... Cause it's like so not her. I thought that was really cute. They had that. I will say there are some really sweet scenes between Edward and Bella um, in Breaking Dawn. I think, but I will say I do. I quite enjoy Breaking Dawn Part Two. I, I agree. Have a good good ass time. I also love the second half of the book. I think it's so fun with all these vampires with all their different powers rolling up um i don't think they did a very good job in the movie of all of the vampires having their different powers yeah i mean they did but it just i don't know it felt a little flat yeah but it's great in the movie or in the books um yeah the that movie is um the one i watched the most besides the first movie i like consistently mm -hmm. rewatch twilight and breaking dawn part two because i just think they're both so fun i'm obsessed with Bel vampire bella like i just think she looks so good oh, i love so the red good. eyes i love so fun her like running through the forest and seeing the deer like i think it's so fun so love that a lot yeah i too really love vampire bella and it was interesting because i remember prior to the movie coming out having a lot of doubts about how they were going to present Vampire Bella. Because, you know, they talk so much about her, like, physical change. Uh -huh. And I just, I was like, I don't really know how this is going to work. But they actually did a really good job because she's so gaunt and sick prior to changing that then when they did that little CGI of her, like, face filling in and her spine fixing itself and all that yeah. stuff, it was it was really cool. Um, I actually really enjoyed that. And then all the scenes with her and Edward just having such a good ass time. They're like finally happy and I don't know, like rolling around everywhere. And yeah. once again, we have another great pick me moment of Bella not being 
like a newborn vampire at all and having yeah. complete and total self-control love <laughs> yeah. to see it also being the only one who can shield them from other people's gifts i didn't really understand how her original talents were magnified into that but i enjoyed it yeah i, I mean it. that's never really explained never makes a lot of sense but it works no nope. i do feel like the when i was watching this movie i was just like this plot is kind of stupid which i have that thought about every movie but the whole thing is that they have to like prepare this army to fight the volturi because they think the volturi are going to show up and immediately kill everybody but the volturi love to talk like that's aro's favorite thing to do so mm-hmm. why did they th- think that they were going to get well- to show up and not have to talk like i was so confused i was like just talk to them i don't know <laughs> well what i don't understand and they probably addressed this in the book but i don't like really understand why arrow caius and marcus marcus i don't really understand why they go with all their wives like it's like the entire volturi go i know i don't get it either why like, I understand so that maybe they were planning on fighting the Collins, but that doesn't seem like you would bring your, like, head people, you know? Right. Like, they could have just sent Jane to kill everyone or something. Right. Yeah. I I just think this whole thing is, like, kind of dumb. And I guess the whole thing at the end is that uh, Aro was planning to kill everyone regardless because it was, like, the unknown or whatever. But still, the whole movie, I was like literally just talk to them like just he could touch Renesmee's hand and and know exactly what's going on I don't know it just was really stupid (laughs) um also Rami Malek's character is the avatar and that's all I have I can't believe he's in that movie I know to me isn't that funny it's also funny so crazy to me that Jamie Campbell Bauer is in this I always forget that he's Caius he was he was sweeping up the um the young adult uh, genre, because you know who's in Harry Potter too. Wait, who's he was, he in Harry Potter? He's the OG Gregorovich, like the when he's like young. Oh, Grand- Grendelwald. Grendelwald, Grendelwald, not Gregor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew who you were talking about. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But only for like oh. two seconds. Yeah, he was getting these roles where he like had two seconds, and then when he did get like a lead role, <clears throat> City of Bones, it was R.I.P. Like, they really did him dirty with terrible writing. It's such a disappointment. I know. There's so many things that went so terribly wrong. Also, yeah. another story for another day. Definitely. But yeah, I'm actually obsessed with him as Caius. I just think he's so good. I just I love the Volturi. I love. Uh, Aro or Arrow or however you say it. I think he's so unhinged. It's wonderful. His performance is yeah. amazing. I don't remember who plays him. Uh, Some unknown, I'm sure. Michael Sheen is his name. Oh, shoot. Not an unknown at all. Yeah, don't know. <laughs> Definitely not unknown. For some reason, I the name popping in my head was Charlie Sheen, but <laughs> it's definitely not Charlie Sheen. Yeah, Michael Sheen really, really killed it in that role. I think it's so amazingly unhinged. It's perfect. I also was so confused on the timeline in this movie. Like, how long did it take Renesmee to age into an 18-year-old or an 8-year-old girl? Like, six months. Bella's eyes were still red when that happened. I was like, Yeah, no, I think she's, like, essentially, like, a six-month-old when she's, when the Volturi ultimately comes. Also, Bella as a mom is just weird. She's not motherly to me, so. 
No, and I think maybe because Renesmee grows so fast, you don't really get to see it. So it always looks like, like you know, your friend with yeah. a baby who's like never touched a child before in their life. Yeah, like, Bella looks like that. The whole time. Which is maybe accurate to how she should look. Yeah, fair. But yeah, it's um, an all-around iconic series from start to finish. Yes, and it ended with a bang because honestly, the while controversial, the final fight scene in this movie, yo, is that's actually, actually pretty good. So good, yeah, that was a yeah. great artistic choice because the ending to the book is so anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. I really feel like they did a great job, like playing out Alice's vision and then twisting. Yeah, it well, because the first time I saw it in the theaters, rocked my world. I was like. <gasps> They completely changed it. And then I was like, oh, it's Alice's vision. It's exactly the way it was in the book, but yet completely different and 10 times better. It, it was a great choice. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Really I remember inspired. just being shook when Carlisle died. I was like, what? oh my God, this didn't happen. And then the very, very end to this movie, oh, when Bella shows Edward all her thoughts and like runs through the their memories, memories? together. It's so cute and so nostalgic when you grew up with the movies because mm-hmm. then you she like goes back through the first movie onward. It's just it's so perfect. Chef's Kiss, the end to this movie to this series is so perfect, despite all its flaws. Yeah. <laughs> despite all its flaws, I really love this series. And an interesting uh, thing to note is that the movie that made the most money in opening weekend of this series is New Moon, which is objectively the worst one. And then uh, fortunately Breaking Dawn Part 2 was the second most. It made $141 million, yes. as opposed to New Moon's $142 Maybe million. it was because New Moon is all Jacob, who is the hotter of the two. So true. But oh my gosh, something else that I thought of watching New Moon, Jacob Taylor Lautner was legitimately 17. Like, he was actually 17 when they were filming That's that. That's actually crazy. out of his mind. And I want to know what kind of crazy diet torture they had to put him on to make him look like that. And then 40-year-old moms were, like, standing in the audience clapping and screaming when Jacob took his shirt off. I vividly remember Ooh. that. Which is Ooh. so gross because he's a minor. Like, what That's... the hell? Yeah, no, that's... Big cringe. cringe. But back then we were just like, haha, so quirky. We love Jacob. Well, and back then I had no concept of age. Yeah, same. Like I didn't, I didn't understand that they weren't all my age. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and that that kind of physique is just like unrealistic for a teenager. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But. I mean, there was a lot of things about this that I just had no thoughts about when I was a young teenager and now. And it's it's very interesting how that goes, how you just are like, you just accept it as it comes. And then retrospectively, you're like, hmm, a lot of red flags in here. A lot of of problematic content. Yeah. I think that's partly why like this Twilight Renaissance might be happening is because it's like kind of fun for people to revisit it and be like, oh, like there's all these problematic elements. Like, wow, I can't believe we grew up with this. But then also, it's still fun. Yeah. No, it it is interesting. I think there's a lot. It's interesting because the fashion 
of that era is also kind of in a renaissance in a way. Yeah. It's like that whole time period is really making a comeback. Yeah. I agree. Well, now we've talked about for an hour and a half about Twilight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know, and there's still so much to say, but so little time. I know, I feel like I could talk for so much longer. But it was good to just, like, get all my feelings about... Uh, out about all those movies because mm -hmm. I had watched them and I had a lot of thoughts and I'll continue to have thoughts every time I watch them but I'll keep rewatching them because it's a fall vibe every year truly truly is and it just and it's like you said it's very nostalgic and it feels very like safe and secure to watch it's yeah. a real like it's an odd comfort <laughs> yeah film, but it, it it really is so it is. here's to watching more twilight for the rest of our lives yeah even when we're 40 and we're not in a renaissance of twilight anymore i'll still mm -hmm. love it indeed indeed well i think that wraps up our our episode about where bella has been this entire time loca so and true. uh i would say join us in our next episode because today is october 18th 2022 which means in a few days Taylor Swift's Midnight's is dropping and we are going to react to it. I'm so excited. I'm really excited. Cannot wait to have uh, all thoughts. No beef. Yeah. Yeah. I am really back in my Swifty brain right now. And so I am just going to have so you much are, you're in your You're in your Swifty prime right now. You've really turned it on. Yeah, I feel like it turns on every time she she releases a new album. Like mm -hmm. I did this last year when Red Taylor's version came out too. I'm really just embracing it. So, yeah, join us next week for initial reactions to Midnight's. I'm really excited about that. And Wait. thanks for the two people that might have listened to this, which is like probably our moms. <laughs> which is just the two of us. And yeah, literally us. <laughs> But All it's right. been fun. We'll talk next week. See ya.